Amen. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Are you there? It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Amen. This is a familiar scripture. We've talked about it even recently. And, uh, and yet I just feel like we need to we need to discipline our minds tonight and we need to discipline our spirits. And the, there are people that uh, even though they're Christians, they're overcome, they're overwhelmed by negative feelings and emotions and worries and cares and anxieties. And Mark chapter 4 tells us that uh, those things can choke the word. And when the word is choked, then the word becomes less fruitful. And it is possible to choke the word completely out to where it becomes absolutely unfruitful. Jesus says your traditions make the word of God of no effect. Well, I want the word of God to have effect in me. I don't want to be stony ground or I don't want to be the wayside uh, or even the thorny ground. I want to be the good soil. And, and you have to contend for that. You, have, you can't be lazy and undisciplined and allow your emotions to rule you uh, because emotions uh, will, will cause the word of God to be choked out. It will make the word of God of no effect because one of our traditions as humans is to worry about stuff. We tend toward the negative, even even when we are we're taught even from the childhood, we're taught you know be careful, be careful, be careful out there, be careful, be careful, be careful, and yet this scripture says get rid of your care. You see, it's unscriptural to go around telling people to be careful. And I've had to discipline myself even because, you know, I was raised with, you know, last word mama said, you know, as I'm leaving the house, y'all be careful now, you know. And uh, I understand why they love us, they care about us. They don't want us to uh, be uh, careless. They don't want us to be reckless. And But they don't say that. They say be full of care. Careful means be full of care. The word care means anxious, worried, dreadful, fearful. And, uh, and you know, we're really putting a word curse on people when uh, the last thing they hear from us as they're leaving is be careful, be laden down and burdened down with worries and anxieties. See, we don't even know what our own words mean. That's why I think every child should have two things in their in their uh, in their room where they study, where they do their homework. They need a dictionary and they need a concordance, and uh, and it would help to have a few other tools, but I, but at least a dictionary and a concordance so they can look up the words, find out what they mean, find out where they are in the Bible, and how they're used in the Word of God. 
And the word careful is a, is a negative word from the perspective of God's word. God does not want us careful uh, and full of anxiety and worry and concern and fear and dread and foreboding and always thinking about what might go wrong. The wisdom book, you know, Proverbs, really warns against uh, the idea that that uh, we we restrain our our work and restrain our efforts because of of what could go wrong. It says the fool says, well, there's a lion in the street, That's right. and I or the weather is is bad, or the weather looks like it might be bad, so I'm not going to plant, or I'm not going to harvest, or I'm not going to work today, because you know it something bad could happen out there, and uh, so. Uh, it's foolish. It's contrary to the rules uh, of the Word of God, the rules of wisdom, for us to be uh, a worrier. And yet I've known a lot of Christians, and I myself have had uh, temptations to get into worry and fear and, and be overly concerned. To the point, you know, I call somebody up and say, you know, I was worried about you. Well, I don't have any business being worried. Change the word. What what am I really? I, I'm I'm concerned maybe, or I'm I, I just feel led to call you because you know the the Holy Spirit has brought you into my mind, and I, uh, there's a I have a burden to pray for you, but that burden is not worry, it's not fear, it's not dread, it's not anxiety, it's just the leading of God. I don't need any other burden than the leading of God, the call of God. If God calls you to pray for somebody, you pray not because you're worried. You pray in faith and believing and obedience. Amen. So uh, the first thing that he said here in verse 6 was humble yourself. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting, see the word casting, you don't really begin a sentence with a word like that. This is part of the thought that he's conveying already. Uh, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, casting your cares on the Lord. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand, casting. Or this is how we humble ourselves. We humble ourselves by Coming to the, you know, the conclusion and comprehension and realization, epiphany, that we need God to take care of things. God is our caretaker. God is our caretaker. God oversees our lives, and God is, and and we are humbling ourselves by recognizing the fact that God is the one who. We, we need to hold responsible for the taking care of us. See, God can care for you without falling into the sin of worry and fear. God is a God of faith. God is a God of, of uh, calling things which be not as though they were. God's the God of calling the future into the present. God's not worried. He's not anxious. He's not, he's not upset or, or in any way dismayed. 
And so by humbling ourselves under his mighty hand, we are acknowledging that he can take, uh, he can take the care away from us. Yeah. Amen. It's pride that says, no, I've got to handle this myself. You know, pride is the opposite of humble. The person who refuses to let go and let God take the care is a prideful person. So a worrier, worrying and fretting and, and, and being fearful and, and anxious is a form of pride. Do you ever think of it that way? Worry is pride. You know, it's it's pride because you are assuming the the total responsibility for your well-being, and you're not allowing God to be the shepherd of your life. You're not allowing the Lord to be your Father who watches over you. And that's very important uh, uh, in in this whole concept of casting your cares on the Lord, you you got to realize you need to. And by the way, I don't see this as an option here. I see it as a command of Scripture. Humble yourself by bowing to Jesus, swallowing your pride, and saying, Lord, I need your help. I need your oversight of my life. And then, and then, you know, verse seven, casting all your care. Not just some of it, but all of it. Remember what all means? All is not that that's not oil that you put in your car. <laughs> all doesn't mean pert near all. All doesn't mean most of it. All means all. All is one hundred percent. You're to cast you're to you're to be always Always, that word casting is an ongoing verb. Always, you're always throwing off your anxieties. You're always throwing off your words. You're always casting all the time. Always, all the time, putting your cares on the Lord. That word cast there is the Greek word epirhypto. Epirhypto. It's uh, from Strong's Word, 1909. It means to throw upon, not not just to place or hand it, but to throw upon. It means uh, uh, a, it's an idea of a sudden motion, like flinging, tossing, or uh, a, it's a deliberate hurl. <laughs> And it comes from a word that that uh, indicates a, an extended projection, like like you're you're putting it far away from you. You you know if you hurl something, that means you're trying to get it as far away from you as you can. And uh, and so it's it's and it, and it's got a permanent sense, like you're making you're dumping the load. Yeah, and you're walking away from it. It's uh it, it uh, it's synonyms are to cast down scatter abroad or throw away so when he says cast he's talking about get rid of it get rid of get rid of it throw it thrust it as far and as hard and as fast as you can and dump the whole load on the lord 
Amen. And it says, you know, uh, this this word care here is mera merim na m e r i m n a h, and uh, it means to bestow uh, uh, or share or to disunite. It's like a um, it, it means like a, it's a, a distraction. Take anything that distracts you that word care, and throw it upon the Lord. It's akin to the idea that we find in Romans where it says, uh, um, uh, when he's talking about running the race that's set before us, laying aside every weight and the sin. Not weight of sin, but every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. Well, that word besets us is 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 similar to this word care. It's a distracting burden. It's a distracting thought. It's something that gets us off course. So we can't run our race. And so he's saying that everything that 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 can be identified as a distraction. Or something uh, it can be identified as a burden that would slow us down or hinder us in our race. We need to take it off and throw it upon the Lord. It's like it's like the Lord is running along beside you, and He's saying, "Give me that backpack. That backpack is weighing you down, and 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 get lighten your load here. Toss it to me, and you're in the race. And you grab that thing and you just hurl it at Him and keep on running." And that's it's really what the, it means by casting your care. It's your it's your tossing your extra burden, your extra distraction upon the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Amen. You're giving it to somebody who's better able to carry it. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. If you don't, you're saying no. I'm more able to carry this, Lord, than you are. See. That's why he said you have to humble yourself. Pride will say, no, uh, no, I'm a man. I can handle this. I got broad shoulders. I can take care of this. I'll figure it out. No, uh, humility says, no, I know who I am, and I know what I am, and I know who you are, God, and you are far more able to handle this than I am. So this thing's getting me down. It's distracting me, keeping me up late at night, giving me ulcers. And so I'm just going to take it off and toss it to you. And leave it there. Leave it there. Then uh, uh, let's look at 1 Peter 5, 7 in the Amplified Bible. 1 Peter 5, 7 in the Amplified Bible. And uh, it carries this, this uh, what I've been saying pretty well. It says, casting the whole of your care. And then in brackets, it says, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, on Him, capital H, that's, that's the Lord, for He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Casting the whole of your care all of your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns. You see, sometimes we say, well, I'm not worried, I'm just concerned. 
<laughs> well, that too. Okay? All, all on him for he cares for you. And that word there where it says he cares, that's a different word than the word for care. The word he cares is melo, M-E-L-O. And it's a verb that means to be interested. It, it, it's, to be, it's to be concerned uh, and, uh, in the sense that it matters to him. It matters to the Lord. When it says he careth for you, it means what, what is bothering you matters to him. Isn't that wonderful? You see, there's another scripture that talks about how he's he's touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Because, he, hey, he's been a human. He's lived on this earth. He knows what it's like. And he's been tempted in all manners as you've been tempted, yet without sin. And so he knows, he knows what we go through. And it matters to him. It really does. And so... We need to we need to believe that about it. We we need to believe that he cares for us, not in the worry anxiety sense, but in in the it matters to him. Amen. Praise God. Well, let me give you uh, some for instances. Mark chapter four, verse thirty-eight. This is when Jesus was in the ship and he had told his disciples, let's go to the other side. And he'd been, man, he'd been up all night praying, fasting. He'd been ministering to the multitudes the day before. He was kind of tired. That's because he was in a human body. And he was tired. And so he, he, he said, let's, let's go to the other side. And he left the getting there to them. He trusted them. And then he lay down in the in the bottom of the boat and went to sleep. And while he was sleeping, a storm came up and began to rock the boat. And the waves got bigger and bigger. And the waves started sloshing into the boat. They're bailing water out of the boat. They can't see the shore anymore. The wind is blowing and the waves are tossing the ship around. And, and Jesus must have been really tired because he's sound asleep. He's not worried about anything. See, if you're like Jesus, you can sleep through a storm. Jesus wasn't worried about sinking. He'd already put his word out there. Go to the other side. He didn't say, let's go to the bottom of the lake. No, he said, let's go to the other side. But they, in verse 8, Mark, Mark 38, Mark 4, 38, sorry. Uh, it says, he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? In other words, he's, he's using that word, do you care? Or does it matter to you, Lord? That we perish. Lord, we're having a hard time here. Does it, doesn't it matter to you? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Yes, it mattered. But he, I, you know, 
But what, what happened here? They threw their worry and fear and frustrations on him. But they were doubting whether or not he cared. And we've looked at that, you know, from every angle. We've dissected that. We've preached about faith. We've preached about authority. We've preached about all these things. But I, I was looking at that today, and I saw I saw a little different angle. I saw I saw that uh, um, if they had have awakened him earlier and cast their worry and fear and anxiety on him earlier. Instead of questioning whether or not he would cared about him, of course he cared. And the moment he was aware of the situation, he put a stop to it. Amen. But why hadn't they awakened him earlier? It's because they thought they could handle it. Pride, pride kept them from uh, casting their worry and anxiety and care of the situation over on Jesus. They let him sleep. Don't, don't bother the Lord now. I know, Lord, you're a busy God and I don't want to bother you with my problem. So there you are doing this with the oars and bailing water and throwing up over the side of the boat because you're seasick because you don't want to bother the whole. He's, he's tired. He's sleeping. Let's not bother him. And then when you finally do get around it, you're mad at him because he's sleeping. And you say, you don't, don't you care about us? That's not faith. And what did he get on to him for? As soon as he calmed the sea, what did he get on to him about? Where's your faith? That's what he asked him. Where's your faith? And they were just all blown away because he had authority over the wind and the waves. I mean, they, they didn't even, they, they got distracted pretty quick there from what the real situation was. But see, they didn't have any faith in him. Ruth and I have been listening to a song lately, you know, over and over again, have, have faith in me, have faith in me. And it's a secular song, but boy, it's like, it's like the cry of God saying, would you please just have faith in me? And that's what God wants. He wants us to believe that he cares. Believe that he's interested. Believe that what happens to us matters to him. And then, uh, then turn with me to John 10. John 10, and uh, let's just, uh, in the King James, we'll look at uh, verse 13. We're jumping right in the middle of the story, but uh, I don't want to. I don't want to go into all of it. John ten thirteen says, "The hireling fleeth, because he is a hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I, in contrast, he's talking. He's putting himself in contrast. He's the good shepherd, and then there's the the bad shepherds or the hireling." said, the hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. He's only interested in his paycheck. He's only interested in himself. But then verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so I the Father, and I lay down my life 
for the sheep. Now we need to understand that Jesus is not a hireling. He's the good shepherd who loves you enough to lay down his life for you. So how dare we ask him, don't you care? Lord, does it, does it matter to you that I'm going through this trial? How dare you ask that? That's an offense to him. It's an affront. It surely is a lack of your understanding, and it certainly is a lack of faith on your part, and it's a, it, it, it's a, it's, it's a, a, a stench in the nostrils of God. How dare you accuse him of not being interested in your problem? How dare you accuse him of not caring? Be honest, though. All of us at one time or another have had that thought. The Lord doesn't really care what I'm going through. Because we got the idea he's asleep in the bottom of the boat and he's not even interested in what's going on in my life. And, uh, and uh, if he was, he'd wake up and do something. Well, it's your job to go to him and cast your burden on him and cast cast your, your worry and fury on him. He's already told you what to do. He's already said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Matthew 11, 28. Isn't that what he said? He said, in other words, he's put the onus on us. You come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Yes, I care. But I'm waiting for you to humble yourself and admit that you need me. I'm not going to force myself on you. Amen. But once I'm once once I've been given that burden, once you cast that on me, I'll handle it. I'll say, peace be still. Hallelujah. Makes you want to run to him right now, doesn't it? Makes me want to just gather up all of my cares and cast them on him. And he's and he wants us to do that continually, not just once a day, not once a week, not just accumulate them all week long and then give them to him on Sunday morning. But he he wants us to just live in a constant state of saying, "Ooh, Lord, that one's yours. Ooh, Lord, that one's yours." And then whatever he tells us to do, do it, and he'll fix it. He'll help us. He's called alongside the Holy Spirit. It's called alongside to help us. By doing what? Taking our infirmities. Praying in, in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes alongside to help us. Romans 8, he helpeth our infirmities. What does that mean? The word Infirmity means weakness. It means it means inabilities. Like as in, I can't solve my own problem. I can't fix this. I'm in trouble. And instead of worrying about it, being dreadful, you take it to the Lord, and He helpeth. Your infirmities. And the first time I read that, not understanding the language, I was offended. I said, Lord, see, I'm kind of a little literal. I look at things like, 
and I, I saw that he helpeth he'll, he'll, he helpeth my infirmities. And I said, Lord, my infirmities don't need any help. I'm the one that needs help. But a further study of these words and the language and what it means. See, you can't be lazy. If you're lazy, you're going to be fearful and worried and you'll and you're going to go to hell because the fearful will have their part in the lake of fire, the Bible says. The fearful and the unbelieving go to the same place that the murderers and adulterers and whoremongers go. Amen? You don't want to be fearful and unbelieving. But you see, if, you're, if, if, you're, if you have faith, then you're gonna you're gonna take your infirmities, your weaknesses, and you're gonna say to, you're gonna say to the one who's called alongside to help you. Take these. That word "helpeth" means to lift it off of you and carry it away. He helpeth my infirmities means that the Holy Spirit has been given to you to take hold of your infirmities, your weaknesses, your inabilities to help yourself. And lift it off of you and carry it away. Isn't that cool? And it coincides with that scripture where Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In Hebrews. He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake you. And that word forsake means to, to uh, leave you in the condition that I found you. So he's not going to, in other words, he's not the priest that comes along the road, you know, and looks in the ditch and sees the, sees the man in the ditch who's been robbed and stripped of his clothing and left in the ditch to die and then passes by on the other side and just leaves him. Remember that? In the parable of the Good Samaritan, the priest and the Levite saw his need and passed on by. Jesus said, I'm not like them. I'm the one who stops and pours in the oil and the wine. I will not leave you like I found you. And we need to believe that. We need to believe that God has sent his Holy Spirit himself. That's who he is. The Holy Spirit is God. God has sent the Holy Spirit to be alongside of you and also in you. But he comes alongside to take hold of your infirmities. And carry them away from you. And that, that fits right in there with the casting of your cares upon him. For he what? He careth. He is interested. It's his job. That's what he's volunteered for. Amen? Amen. Now look in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 9. For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox, that treadeth out the corn. Does God take care for oxen? What do you think? Does God care about the ox that treads out the corn? Do you care? You better care. If you don't take care of that ox, he isn't going to work. And it doesn't mean is God worried about the oxen. No, it says God is interested. That word care there means he's interested. It the ox matters to God. 
Now, why is this in the Bible? Why, why is it in the Bible? Why do we need to know that God cares about the ox? Hey, y'all know that? Hey, hey, world, I've got some good news for you. God cares about an ox. Why, why should we focus on this? Because of what the next verse says. Or saith he it altogether for our sakes. He said that for our sakes. Matter of fact, it says here that he said it totally for our sakes. He said he cares about the ox because he's really talking about us. And he says, for our sakes, no doubt, this is written. Oh man, that's kind of redundant. He says, he says it here altogether for our sakes. And then he says, for our sakes, no doubt that is written. Sounds like God's repeating himself. Well, he is. And when God repeats himself, it's because he wants us to get the, get the message. Here's what he wants you to get. It is written that he that plows should plow in hope, and he that threshes in hope should be a partaker of his hope. In other words, it matters to God that you get your wages as a worker, that you get taken care of as a worker, that you have plenty to eat as a worker. See, everything having to do with you matters to God. And He's made provision for you. Just like He'd make provision for an ox that treads out the corn. Can you say praise the Lord for that? That's, that's why that's written there. It's written there so that you, you will understand God's very aware of you. Bible said he never takes his eyes off of you. Bible says you're the apple of his eye. That means you, you know the apple is your pupil. And whatever your pupil is focused on is, uh, you know, is, is important. And the Bible says that you are God's focal point. His eye never leaves you. His eye never is distracted away from you. He's watching you like a hawk, waiting for ways to help you, assist you, and prosper you along the way. Amen. You just need to humble yourself and let him do it. See, some folks, you can't help them because they won't let you help them. That's pride. I don't care how humble it may they may put it. Oh, I don't want to bother you. I don't want to be. I don't want to be a burden to you. Oh no, I would never occupy your time. You're busy. I've heard people actually pray that way. Lord, I know you're busy. No, where you're concerned, God has nothing better to do. That's what it means when He says, "You're the apple of my eye. You are the one I'm focusing on." And where where you're concerned. That I have no other children. I have no other people. I don't have a universe to run. For your concern, I have 100% of my time is devoted to you. Now God can do that. He can, he, he, can live, he can live that way for everybody. We can't understand that because we're so limited and finite. But God can do it. God can give himself entirely to one person and never neglect the rest of us. I love that about God. Amen. Because he is my personal God. And I'm his personal son. Hallelujah. So, 
what is the conclusion of all this? Well, let, let's look in the Passion Translation. We're going to turn back to 1 Peter 5, 7 through 11. We're going to read it in the Passion Translation because the Passion Translation puts it passionately. And we're passionate people. We're talking about feelings. We're talking about emotions. We're talking about, you know, all these things that drive us. Well, we need to be passionate about the truth. And here's what the scripture says passionately about all this. 1 Peter 5, 7, pour out, pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there for he always tenderly cares for you. Be well balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil, roams about incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. Now he's not telling us that to worry us. Because before he even told us that, he told us to cast all that on the Lord. Take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kinds of troubles you endure. And then, after your brief suffering, the God of all loving grace who has called you to share in his eternal glory in Christ will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Yes, he will set you firmly in place and build you up, and he has all the power needed to do this forever. Amen. Isn't that cool? We got that up there? Run it run us back through it just slowly so we can look at it, look at it in big letters. Amen. Pour out all your worries and stress upon him. Leave them there. For he always tenderly cares for you. Be well balanced and always alert. Because your enemy the devil roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. He wants to get you into worry so he can eat you. Take a decisive stand against him. Resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kinds of words of troubles you endure. Take a decisive stand against him, he says. All right, go to the next verse. Okay, let's read that so that everybody can hear it. I'll, I'll read it. He says, <laughs> and verse 10, and then after your brief suffering, y'all like that? Brief. You see, you need, you need to incorporate this into your speech. This too will pass. This is a brief suffering. This is a present difficulty because I've cast it, I've cast the worry of it over on Jesus. And Jesus is fixing it. Amen. You know, this, this is a pretty good message to hear, you know, the day after an election. <laughs> Amen. 
But you should have been practicing this last night before you went to bed. You're watching election returns and you're seeing, you know, you're seeing some good stuff, you know, things that you can rejoice about. But you're also seeing some things that, you know, well, that can't be right. You know, like, oh, I hate that. How can anybody see so be so stupid as to vote for that person? I don't know. You know, I, you know, I, I was tempted to get really worried about those folks in Pennsylvania. That's got to be the that's got to be the dumbest thing you ever you know one of the dumbest things ever happened. But see, I don't believe those people in Pennsylvania are really that dumb. I don't think that I don't think they really went that direction. Not for governor or senator. I really I really don't I I, I think better of the people in Pennsylvania. I think better of the people in Michigan. I know a lot of folks in Michigan and from Michigan, and and I, I know that they're not like that. And so you know, there's there's some things going on out there that you know could get you really upset, so that when you go to bed, you can't go to sleep. So I hope you were practicing this, not just when you went to bed, but all through the day. When you hear about, you know, machines that broke down and lines and that formed and people who didn't get to vote and all this kind of stuff. When you hear about stuff like that, that's when you need to wake Jesus up and say, hey, Jesus, take care of this. Take the care of this. Jesus, take the responsibility for this. Doesn't mean we don't do anything. We're still bailing. We're still rowing. We're still, you know, uh, we're still in the boat with it. Yes. Amen. We, we still have a part to play. But the weight of it and the responsibility of it is on his shoulders. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Well, Father, we just want to bless you tonight and thank you that you are with us, that you have come alongside of us in the Holy Spirit, and that you are here to take hold of our weaknesses and our inabilities our infirmities, our our um, our lacks, and you take them upon yourself and carry them away from us, and it leaves us so lightheaded. It leaves us so uh, uh, able to just run the race joyfully and gleefully, and to finish our course. We just thank you for that, Father. We thank you for taking care of all these things that might worry us that might cause us to be afraid, that might cause exasperation, and you just take them off of us. I thank you for peace that passes understanding and the joy of the Lord that is full. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.